You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go hello and welcome to a friday edition of the fantasy football round table podcast we are here we have made it to the weekend we have one game in the books and we have a bunch more games yet to come hopefully you are excited we are going to be running through all the games and looking at a couple of key questions uh, we will also be looking at last night's victory. I'm sure I have at least one happy Cleveland Browns fan with me. But before we dive into that, how's your Friday? Dude, I'm so busy at work. It's not even funny. I uh, did two shows last night for Better Sports Network, which was great. I was on the Rick Kamla, uh, Rick Kamla show uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. Then I was on with Garrett Price in the Dynasty Nerd show in the 11 o'clock hour. I mean, I'm living large. My face is everywhere. Uh, But, you know, now it's the weekend, and my wife just informed me as we were going live that tomorrow morning my driveway is getting redone. And so uh, as soon as I finish up here, I'm going to be moving shit in the dark, get my driveway cleared off. We got to get my son's parts car that doesn't have any rear axles and uh, no front wheels on it. We got to figure out how to get that off. Uh, I'm probably just going to, you know, lift up the front and flip it over on stop through the gate. I mean, I think that sums up life, like from the highest of highs, you know, I'm on all these radio shows going good to, uh, yeah, be out there Friday night in the dark, uh, pushing a, an axleless vehicle. Right. Speaking of pushing an axleless vehicle, uh, that's a good segue to the Steelers, uh, at least their offense anyway. 
last night they took on the Cleveland Browns. Both teams came in one and one. The Browns left two and one, probably one bad two minute stretch of fourth quarter play away from being three and oh. Uh, but we will get to the Browns and uh, how you and Matt are happy you picked them in a minute. First, the Steelers came in, coming into the game uh, last week. Kenny Pickett chants were getting a little bit louder from Mitch Trubisky. Uh, his coach mentioned that they needed to step it up on offense. There were a few nice plays in the first half, but the Steelers' offense was largely absent from the second half. Is the leash getting shorter for Mitch? You know, I think it'll depend on where they are as a, a how, how competitive are they playing. You know, they had a chance to win this game yesterday, um, and they they didn't. They, they're not – you know, Mitch didn't make any real mistakes. Deontay Johnson dropped a pass. The, there were some execution issues here or there. You know, George Pickens had seven targets but only brought in three of them. And, frankly, one of them he shouldn't have brought in. It was a fantastic catch. Um, so – you know, Najee Harris, the, the offensive line isn't still isn't great. And so Najee's not getting a ton of yards on the ground. Um, they have some opportunities. They're without their best defensive player and TJ Watt. And uh, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, nobody's in the offseason was saying, look, this is the guy we need to get on our team that's going to take us to the promised land. He's a replacement level quarterback. Um, the Browns just made a few more plays. And if we don't figure out that onside kick thing, I think we're going to end up seeing a whole lot of them. Yeah, you know, the Steelers offense, we talked about this on Monday, isn't perfect. But last night they were running better. You know, Harris was finding some space. Uh, Jalen Warren found some space. Also yeah, had a little good. trouble holding on to the ball. You bring up the targets and receptions some of those guys were open and the ball wasn't what you might call catchable. Um, and we also, I think what would be a worrying sign to me is we saw some bad body language out there. There was one throw in particular where Deontay Johnson was fairly wide open. He's like, what the fuck, man? As, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and put his arms up in the air. Those are not encouraging signs. Um, you know, they did score two offensive touchdowns last night, which is twice as many as the offensive touchdowns they'd scored each in the first two games, which is good. But we've mentioned before, it's a tough division. Mike Tomlin has never finished below 500 as a head coach. I think they're they're getting into a little bit of a tough stretch. But if in the next couple of weeks the Steelers are – one and five, two and four, they're going to look at doing something different. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the thought process of, well, we're going to let him sit for a year, but I mean, Pickett's 25, 24. I mean, he played five years. Of He's got the hands of a nine-year-old, but he does. He does. And, you know, he did, but he, he's, he played, he started for what, three years at Pitt. Yeah, and I think one of the things they pointed out last night that, that rang true is they drafted a hometown guy, a guy who went to Pitt College, so a lot of fans there. It would have been like drafting Dan Marino a few years ago and then telling people you weren't going to play him. I, I don't know that I'd put uh, Kenny Pickett and Dan Marino in the same sentence. I think they meant the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Hey, you know, tiny hands can do miracles, I guess. You know, we'll mm -hmm. see. 
Uh, on the flip side, as I mentioned, the Cleveland Browns probably one bad two-minute stretch. Also, I'm just going to say it. Last night, the repeated narrative that Nick Chubb cost them that game by choosing to score a touchdown when the other team had no timeouts and there was 144 left and they were up by 13 points is beyond galling. Uh, but the Browns are one bad stretch away from potentially being 3-0. Are they better than we thought? Is Jacoby Brissett better than we thought? No. <laughs> uh, I, Jacoby Brissett is a game manager. He is Trent Dilfer. He is Brad Johnson um, with not quite the arm that they have. He's make, Look, he's making really good decisions. He is big and mobile. He, he's able to do some things. But he's he's he is not a uh, rising tide lifts all boats kind of quarterback. He's gonna play within the scheme. He's gonna be conscientious about errors. He's a good leader. He's a good teammate. He's definitely a guy that you want on your team. But he's not. I mean, he's not Baker Mayfield. You know, he doesn't Baker. For all of his faults, Baker has a substantially higher ceiling than Jacoby Brissett. Would they be two and one or three and zero oh with Baker? Probably not, because Baker also, you know, has a staggeringly low floor um, and can make some boneheaded plays. But it makes you know the way he's playing kind of makes it okay that they're they were willing to take the chance on Deshaun Jack Watson. Um, he he's just he's gonna do the right thing. He's gonna make the right calls, and he's gonna put you in a position to be able to win the game. But if you're down by 14 or 17 points, he's probably not a guy that's gonna lead you back. Um, I think that had uh, it it would have been interesting if Chubb late in the game last night had broken one off. If he uh, went down or if he'd scored, that would have been something to watch. I bet he would have gone down just because, I mean, to his credit, he was the one that got up there and said that it was his fault. I just, I thought that was a noble gesture. And the fact that Kirk Herbstreet is now ruining two sets of football broadcasts with his analysis is, is a lot to take. I think it was Matt who pointed out preseason that the Browns started with a pretty winnable early schedule. I yep. I guess I got sucked in a little too much to the narrative that Baker Mayfield was actually going to mess them up uh, in the Panthers home opener. But, you know, I you figured a game against the Jets would be pretty winnable. They, they end up dropping that one, but they essentially should have won that. And then last night, you know, with the way Pittsburgh is, I, I had figured – home team would probably get an advantage in some of these games and that seems to be playing out, but I'm with you. Um, it's probably the schedule and the fact that Nick Chubb's so darn good as much as anything. I was encouraged to see Njoku actually getting some play. Well, and it, you know, that was interesting because we believe, you know, a good portion of fantasy analysts believe that this can be a regular kind of game for David Njoku but Kevin Stefanski has already came out and said, look, things are going to dictate when David gets the ball. The game is going to dictate when uh, he's going to be involved more in routes and when he's going to be open. It's all so he could come out next week and have three targets with one catch for five yards. 
Sounds uh, like Stefanski and Arthur Smith spend a fair amount of time together. Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, Njoku was one of the tight ends. I was like, you know, if I'm going late tight ends, he's one of my targets. I was fortunate. I did start him in four of my six spots. I had him in last night. So uh, I kind of dug that. It was, it was definitely good. You know, Amari Cooper looked real good. He had, he had one, one bad drop too. So, um, and then that one mysterious one where he accidentally ran out of bounds. Yeah. It's a good thing Matt's not here. Those are the things right. that drive him crazy. Well, one game in the books, 15 to go. On to the week three preview. And we start out with a barn burner in the Midwest as the 0-1-1 Houston Texans travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. You're probably starting Brandon Cooks. Damon Pierce looked a little bit better last week. Davis Mills doing a few things. Aside from Cooks, is there anyone you're looking to start from the Texans lineup? You know, it's only deep, deep, deep flyers you're, if you're throwing Nico Collins in there. Now, Collins is playing. Um, he's getting a few targets. He's not producing with them. You know, Brevin Jordan's going to be out, so we're back to uh, uh, who is it, Farrell Brown at tight end. Um, and O.J. Howard. Yeah, O.J. Howard, too. I keep forgetting about Mr. him. Mr. Two Touchdowns making me think he was all the way back, only to crush my hopes and dreams. Yeah. Man, all the way back. All the way back from where? He, he was never was. So, uh, you know, I don't – you know, Davis Mills is a super flex candidate. You know, mid to low end, two is kind of his ceiling. Um, you know, Mills is – you know, he's playing okay. He's playing like Jacoby Brissett. You know, but I don't know what that gets you uh, if you're, you know, trying to make the playoffs. So, you know, that Cooks is the guy, you know, I think if you roster Damian Pierce, you're probably willing to start him because after week one now, it looks like, you know, they've said, well, okay, we really do need to get this guy uh, a little more run. And uh, I was looking up the Bears defense here real quick because I think they're, um, they got destroyed on the ground on Sunday night. Yeah, so you know they've they given got up destroyed by Debo Samuel on the ground in Week One. So. Yeah, the Bears have given up the second most rushing yards through two games. So uh, it's definitely uh, it, you know, and they can't score points, so teams aren't really you know trying to run up passing. So they they are teams are running on them. Um, yeah, the only thing that gives me a modicum of concern is we've seen two radically different approaches to running back usage in two weeks. It was week one an aberration. It was week two an aberration. I'll be curious to see, you know, this is where I know Levy Smith isn't exactly out of the Patriots system, but their GM and a lot of their ethos is I'm curious to see. I feel a Royce Freeman game coming on. And that's, you know, that's my legitimate concern because I, well, Pierce got a lot of carries last week. He wasn't spectacular. I don't think there was anything that you would have seen from that that said, man, we can't, we sure can't use anybody else. Right. On the flip side, we know David Montgomery is going to be there. Justin Fields doing enough with his legs to be kind of interesting in super flex. We come to the pass catchers. Uh, we all had pretty decent expectations for Darnell Mooney and had some hope for Cole Komet, and they have been nowhere to be found. Is there a Bears pass catcher you can confidently start? 
So I was not really in on Komet. I just don't think he catches the ball that well. And so if, if you were in on him, your argument was literally, I think he's going to get a lot of volume because the Bears don't have anybody else. And then Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus said, you know what? The joke's on you. Nobody's going to get a lot of targets. Um, and no one has. It's I, I, I struggle to think that, you know, they're going to keep trying to run this. You know, we're going to pass it 10 times. You know, Montgomery's look pretty good. Um, Herbert's look pretty good. But you can't – I just don't think you can go out there and say we're going to neuter this really athletic quarterback with a big arm because we didn't invest in any offensive linemen to protect him or we're going to install an offense that's so complicated that he can't learn it in one offseason. Um, you know, I – are they really doing him any better than uh, – oh, who was the last dude that was there? Uh, Nagy. Yeah. yeah. Are, are, they, are they doing fields any better than Nagy was doing by the posi- with the position they're putting him in? I, I don't know that. I, I've In listening to Sirius XM this week, I have heard a couple guys say they think that, you know, they're going to open it up more. One, one guy that I, I don't remember – wish I – had paid more attention to who it was rather than just be in the background. Somebody said they're looking at two touchdown passes from fields. And I'm like, well, uh, what's that is season put output. I mean, the way they're playing, Holy cow. Yeah. I I'm holding off on Mooney and connect commit for the time being. If I was in a real deep league looking for a dark throw, I might actually go with Equinemius St. Brown because as funny as it sounds, He's been the one that seemingly has had the greatest connection. Got a touchdown in week one, led them in targets and receptions last week. Not super confident, but, you know, we're talking desperation. I am, despite what I just said, taking the Bears at home. Uh, I took the Bears as well. I, you know, I, I just feel like, uh, I I feel like they're going to, they're, they're going to try to right the error of their first two week ways. I mean, they did win week one. But. Yeah. Speaking of desperation, the Desperation Bowl this week is in Tennessee, where the 0-2 Titans play host to the 0-2 Las Vegas Raiders. Hunter Renfro has now been ruled out with a concussion. I would say he was ruled out by his lack of involvement the first two weeks. So aside from Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, is there anyone you're interested in in the Raiders? Are you buying into Mac Hollins? In, in a traditional league, no. Um, there is some talk that uh, uh, Jacobs is somewhere in the questionable to doubtful range. He is, now. He's got an illness. He's a game time. He didn't, he didn't travel with the team today. Um, so depending on how he feels tomorrow and if he can travel tomorrow, uh, you know, we might get our first extended look at Zamir White. Um, I know that Bolden and Abdullah, I think, are both a little bit dinged up too. But it, that's also the kind of game where Josh McDaniels is going to be like, hey, let me show you why I signed Brandon Bolden. And, you know, Bolden gets 20 touches. Or he's seen the Tennessee secondary, and this is the 95-target Devontae Adams game we've been waiting for. I thought that was week one. I mean, it's time for the sequel. Right. Speaking of the uh, hapless Titans, we talked about uh, Derrick Henry's lack of production the first two weeks. What are you expecting from Henry? Is he still even a top 24 option? You know, 
I'd like to think that he is, but I don't know if it's his he didn't recover from the surgery because we know when he came back last week or last year, he didn't look great. Um, and, but you'd like to think an, an off season to get right would be good. Where is he sitting at so far on this season? Lately, I've been listening to a lot of my favorite sports podcasts using Raycon's wireless three earbuds. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better. Better than ever, actually. With optimized gel tips and a perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, they will not budge whenever you're moving around. Trust me, I work on a job that requires me to move 24-7. They're never falling out of my ear, which I appreciate. Not only that, but Raycon gives you 8 hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life. Raycons are priced just right to get the quality audio at half the price. Other premium audio brands charge you a lot. And no, it's no wonder why Raycon's Everyday Airbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. My favorite things about them, the earbud tap function. When I'm sitting there talking to somebody and didn't realize that my podcast is still going, I can quickly just tap the button to stop what I'm doing. Noise isolation as well is incredible for me. I get to some loud environment sometimes and I'm able to actually just listen and hear just what I want to, which is my sports stuff. They're telling me what I need to know to continue moving about my day. I use them all the time, whether I'm working out, working, or honestly just sitting at home and listening to sports podcasts, sometimes some music to get in the mood. I'm not going to lie to you guys, a little bit of Harry Styles, it's not the same as it was. It gets me going. I love that kind of music. It puts me in a working kind of atmosphere at home when I'm working on everything for the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Go to buyraycon.com slash TP. PN today to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. Again, buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Some of the best headphones that I have used. You go get them today. They're worth it, guys. Go get them. It must be. Well, he had 80 yards and no touchdowns week one, 25 yards and a touchdown in week two. So he has 105. Yards, I believe, and a touchdown, and I don't think he has any receptions. Yeah, I must be just missing him. I got to think he's more he's better than running back 70. I will look him up. Uh, he may not be. Uh, it has not been. Especially uh, if you're going run, running back there. 36 is where he's at. Um, you know, they've been getting behind, and so they have to throw, and they're not throwing well. Um, and even with Dontrell Hilliard out – they're not involving Henry in the passing game. Um, I don't know what Vrabel's plan is, but it seems like uh, they're being told they're rebuilding and they're not really accepting it yet. You know, Traylon Burks has flashed a little bit. Uh, Robert Woods hasn't really popped off uh, like you would like to see. Uh, who's the others? Westbrook Akini and uh, Kyle Phillips has flashed a little bit out of the slot. Uh, but he's dinged up now too. Um, you know, they're just not getting production all around. The offensive line is falling apart uh, and they're not opening up holes for Henry. So they're not really, they haven't been in a position to be able to wear down the other teams. And over the last, I don't know, three years or so, even when they were down, they were using Henry to wear down teams because 
he would break off these big long runs and these chunk plays, and they were able to mix them in with the occasional pass and be able to stay on the field and get points. And that's not happening this year. Um, you know, we may be, I, I've got, I roster Henry in uh, at least one league, and I thought I was going to get rid of him last week on Monday night when somebody needed a player and, and I just couldn't get a deal done. Um, because I wasn't going to just, I, you know, I wasn't going to trade him for a third round pick. I think he's got more left than that. Um, but he's, uh, you know, it, it looks like, you know, big guys fall fast and hard, and we may be uh, on the edge of the cliff here. Yeah, it's sweet of you to assume that Mike Vrabel has a plan, too. Um, that, I didn't know you were such an optimist. I, luck, where, you dra- where you drafted Henry, you're probably still playing him, but the Raiders' defense hasn't been bad against the run. They held Austin Eckler fairly well in check in week one, even though they lost, and they held the Cardinals' running game fairly well in check, even though they lost in week two. With all that being said, uh, the Raiders have played well despite a loss, in both weeks, I think they win this game. Tennessee still seems lost in the woods yep. to me. I have the Raiders as well. Moving on to a game that looked like it was going to be spectacular when they announced the schedule and now looks like uh, what Dennis infamously, infamously refers to as a wet fart of a game, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs coming in at 2-0 and and probably better than even a 2-0 and team against the, <laughs> the 0-1-1 Indianapolis Colts who've played one good quarter this season. Dennis, we're definitely rolling out Travis Kelsey. He's still the man. But is there any Chiefs receiver that you feel confident in starting? I, You know, I don't. They're, Juju's getting the targets. And so I guess if you're going to start one, you know, your, your options are targets because he's getting opportunities but not really producing, or air yards because he's getting air yards but not really producing. So is it MVS or is it Juju? Which one is it? McCole Hardman, oddly enough, his role hasn't changed a bit since since uh, Tyreek Hill left. Sky Moore's just on the bench waving at everybody. Yeah. You know, and I, it wouldn't surprise, you know, at some point, Sky Moore is going to pop off and we're going to, you know, Andy Reid's going to use him out of nowhere and everybody's going to be caught flat footed on it. Uh, But I think right now it's, it's Kelsey and it's CEH. Those are the guys that you want. CEH is look, looking real good. And then, you know, none of the receivers are anything more than a low-end flex. And it's going to be you, – you just don't know for sure which one it is. I think you bet on Juju because he's getting the targets. But if you're betting for upside on a flex, then you're betting on MVS because he's getting the air yards, uh, even though they're not converting. But – you know, he gets a lot of air yards and he does not convert. That's kind of MVS's thing. Yeah, I'm not bullish on any of the receivers particularly, but Juju is probably the one that I would feel safest rolling out there. I feel like he, despite only four points last week, probably has the safest floor. But even then, to me, maybe low end wide receiver three, but probably more of a wide receiver four. On the flip side, uh, it looks like Michael Pittman is going to return to action. Shaq will be out, and Alec Pierce has been cleared to return, which is good because that can take all the pressure off of uh, Paris Campbell and all the production that he gave us in week two. All jokes aside, the Colts are one good quarter away from being 0-2 and being blown out by two division opponents. Do they have any chance in this game? 
I don't know. You know, Paris Campbell was eternally frustrating last week. He led the wide receivers in snaps, but only had two targets and did not produce anything. Um, it was definitely a game that, uh, you know, I had him in my lineup. Now, I do like Ashton Doolin, too. He's a, a great story, small college guy. I, I don't think that he – I. It feels like that Campbell is going to get worked in sort of as a gadget guy. Doolin's going to be in the slot. Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman are going to be on the outside. Um, so after Pittman, I right now I think I go Doolin uh, because I think he gets um, maybe not high leverage targets, but he gets higher quality targets. Uh, if you're using the theory that shorter passes are easier to catch than longer passes. Uh, which I think is generally true. Um, but they got to do more with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the nine carries didn't do it for you? No, the nine carries did not do it for me. I mean, he's the best running back in football right now. Well, I have and, good news well, for you. Bernard Raymond is out on uh, Sunday, which means a porous offensive line is missing a starting tackle. But, I mean, he's good enough that you give him the fucking ball anyways. I mean – it's Jonathan Taylor. Let's. Oh, let's I don't disagree out, with giving him the ball. Just, let's not outsmart ourselves, Frank Reich. So I think with Pittman back, there's a chance they won't be embarrassed. But Shaq Leonard is out again. Raymond is out. That means a offensive line situation that wasn't great for Matt Ryan isn't getting any better. Yannick Ngakwe is a game time decision. I would. I think it would be one of the miracle upon miracles of the century if the Colts won this game. I am taking the Chiefs. Chiefs for me. From a terrible game to what I think will be the game of the weekend, the 2-0 Buffalo Bills at the 2-0 Miami Dolphins. Both these teams are humming right along and have pretty great offense, but they have pieces of that offense that haven't been as great. We'll look at Buffalo first. Dawson Knox, we like him, but is he still tight end one worthy? Well, after two weeks, he's tight end 25, and it seems like uh... – you know, as much as Josh Allen and him had a connection, you know, Stefan Diggs is the king of the hill there. Um, you know, and we've seen Gabriel Davis when he's healthy, uh, where he stands in the pecking order. I I don't think he's a I, I think he'll have some tight end one weeks, but I just I I feel like the consistency is gonna be lacking to the point that you're looking for another option. Yeah, and Dawson Knox dealing with a little bit of a foot issue, so he's questionable. Gabe Davis is questionable. I think if Davis is playing, uh, Dawson Knox is probably more of a tight end, too. On the flip side for Miami, their pass offense has been off the chain. Running back, Chase Edmonds got a big deal this offseason. We have not seen him do much. He's running back 31 through two weeks. Are you trusting him? No, not at all. Um, Edmonds, much like David Njoku, was a darling late target, you know, especially if I was doing like a hero RB build. And so I'd go RB early, then a bunch of wide receivers and a, you know, premier tight end. And then maybe in around eight or nine, 10, you know, Edmonds was a guy that I would grab thinking, well, they paid him. He's going to get the snaps. Well, he's getting the snaps. He's just not getting the touches. They haven't ran the ball often or effectively. Um, I think he's 
he's got enough talent to be that to be part of a to to be an effective part of a committee, but they're not. They just don't seem to be running the ball enough to make being part of a committee uh, valuable enough. You know, I think you start him as a flex in desperation only in hopes that maybe, maybe with Ed Oliver out and uh, Phillips at defensive tackle out and both of their safeties out, maybe the maybe that offensive line ends up being able to open up some holes and uh, he has the kind of game we were looking for. Or maybe Mostert has that game and you're just screwed because you've got Edmonds in your lineup. Yeah, and you're right. Ed Oliver ruled out. Jordan Phillips ruled out. Micah Hyde ruled out. Dane Jackson, um, grateful that he didn't get injured, but he is out for this week. Jordan Poyer is actually uh, questionable. It looks like he's trending toward playing, so they might have one of those safeties. Buffalo's rush defense, even with guys coming in and out, managed to smother the Rams running game and hold Derrick Henry to 25 yards on 13 carries last week. Not Edmonds isn't getting the volume. He was a sit for me this week. This is a tough one. I'm taking the bills. I, you know, it was tough for me too. And I'm going to buy into the uh, Tua explosion at home. Uh, I think that uh, Mike McDaniel's going to keep, you know, I think this is a shootout. I, I think it could be the highest scoring game of the week. Um, what's the over under on it? Uh, get it here. The, let's see. Over under is 53, and it's 28 and a half for both teams. So it's basically a, a let's see, they've got Miami by Miami plus four and a half. So uh, let's see, no, it's 22 and a half for the Bills, 28 and a half is the uh, under for over under for the, the Dolphins. I, I think it's a, a it's still be in the 30s. Yeah, it's it's a game where, you know, Stefan Diggs is, I I think, as where we sit right now, I think he's the he could be the favorite to be the wide receiver one this year. He's mm-hmm. gonna get volume. He has Josh Allen's trust. Josh Allen is able to avoid the rush and stay up and be able to to make the throws. And I know that Gabe Davis is gonna get plenty of opportunity. Crowder and McKenzie are going to get some opportunity. Knox is going to get some opportunity. Um, But that offense runs through Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. On to our next game, another good matchup. The 1-1 Detroit Lions travel to Minnesota to take on the 1-1 Vikings. Amon Ross St. Brown is on the cusp of a receiving record. Will he get it? What's the record? Um, It's the number of receptions he's done in eight straight, if he gets a, a ninth straight game, he will break Antonio Brown's record. I think so. I, you know, I don't think Minnesota's uh, defensive backs are that good. You know, they've got an aging Pat Peterson. I think Harrison Smith might be out or questionable this week. Um, Cam Dantzler does not run great. Um, so, I think this is a great opportunity. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown has showed the world. He's made a list. He went Chris Jericho and said, you're on the list. And every offensive player, skill player that's been 
that was drafted before him in that draft. He's going to town and he's chalking it up and he's showing those teams why they should have drafted Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I like the fire he's showing there. He, him and Goff are getting it together and, you know, I don't know if it's been the, you know, if they've started their own breakfast club or hot tub club, what they got going on, but they're producing and, and I think it, it, they keep it going. Yeah, I, I think he's going to keep it going too. Um, so he will, he tied the record for most consecutive games with at least eight catches that is currently held by Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown. Um, so he'd have to get another eight catches and touchdown to surpass that uh, this week. But the way it's going, I I tend to think this one's going to be high scoring. The Lions have scored at least 35 points in each of their games. I like him to keep going, and I think he's going to keep on going and keep on being viable even when Williams comes back. Yeah, I mean, the over-under is 52-and-a-half, so Vegas thinks it's going to be high scoring too. On the flip side, we know Justin Jefferson is great, and we know that Kirk Cousins is going to try to force him the ball even when it doesn't make any damn sense. Is there another Vikings pass catcher you want to start this week? No, I wish it would shake out a little more clearly between K.J. Osborne and Adam Thielen. You know, Thielen is getting some opportunity. I think if you're going to start one, he's the guy you're starting. But he's a wide receiver three probably, um, wide receiver four. I think that's where I had him ranked at the beginning of the season. And, you know, Thielen's still a great red zone threat. He's still a great possession receiver. And occasionally he's going to make a big play. Um, K.J. Osborne, you know, he was a late breakout. He's in, I think he's in his fourth year. So it wasn't like he just came came in as a rookie last year. He did the uh, Adam Thielen ride the pine thing and climb up the depth chart. So it's it's really, from a pedigree standpoint, it's Justin Jefferson and nobody else there. Um, you know, they got – but Dalvin Cook is a great back. He, he looks great. And then Irv Smith, I think we're just looking for consistent op- opportunity. If Smith gets consistent opportunity, I think Smith will produce consistently. But it just depends on whether or not he gets that opportunity. Yeah, I'm with you. There's not enough volume left over with – Thielen, Osborne, and Smith combined to make me feel confident about putting them in. I am actually taking the Lions, which is technically an upset because they are not favored. I am taking the Lions as well. Hopefully that pans out for us. Another interesting game. There's a lot of good early morning games, not a lot of good late afternoon games on Sunday. But this one, the Baltimore Ravens, 1-1, one and one, fresh off that heartbreaking loss in Miami, traveled to battle the 1-1 one and one New England Patriots. Dennis, we've been asking for a few weeks, but will we see J.K. Dobbins in week three? And if so, do you think he's on a pitch count? Well, they've been really, really conservative with him. And we saw in his rookie season, Dobbins is – Really explosive. He's got great vision. He's got good power. Uh, And Wednesday, he was listed as a healthy participant. Um, So they they've held him back. I think they've they've been being they've been trying to say, look, we're going to play it as safe as we possibly can because when we put you in, we don't want there to be any restrictions. We don't want there to be a pitch count. And I feel like. 
if he has another healthy, if, if he's still healthy, if nothing is popping up and he is not on the injury report whatsoever, then I think he's going to get a full complement of touches. But if for some reason we look and he's back to questionable, um, then I think you have to kind of take well, a he, step back. He is listed as questionable and will be until he plays. Oh, well, I know they I, on Wednesday he, he was listed as a full he was a full participant, but he'll be listed as questionable until he plays. You can't really okay. go by the injury designation. Okay. Well, as long as he's being a full participant, I think they let they finally let him go. He was a full participant in the back half of last week too, and I thought for sure they were going to roll him out there, and they didn't. But I do. I'm with you. I think he plays. I still think they probably will limit. I, I'm hoping for 12 to 18 carries, and we know what he can do in that kind of span. Although not a, an incredible matchup. Uh, on the flip side for the Patriots, whew, their offense will generously call it a work in progress. You and I have talked about Jacoby Myers, still kind of the main guy there probably a flex option wide receiver three. Is there any other Patriot you're firing up? Uh, I have shares of Damian Harris in several places that, you know, he's my RB two and he's the best of the options I have. But if I'm looking at, let's say Damian Harris and Miles Sanders, I'm taking Miles Sanders and slotting him into my lineup. Uh, David, I've been down on Montgomery and especially seeing how, um, Unproductive the Bears' offense has been, but Montgomery's looked good, so I'd start Montgomery over Harris. Uh, I I do think that, you know, Harris was what he was going as I think what about RB sixteen eighteen, um, in yeah. draft season. So you're probably starting him if if you drafted him. Um, I I don't think you start him, uh, you, you know. Without taking a Tums to settle your stomach, though. Yeah, if I have Harris, I'm probably, you know, given the state of running back, rolling him out there as a flex, but not feeling great about it. I am taking the Ravens. As am I. Our next matchup, the surprisingly 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals at the surprisingly 1-1 New York Jets. Is it time to lower our expectations for Joe Burrow? Nope. I think that, uh, you know... He's bounced. He he had an injury his first year. He had a great year last year. He's got a great set of weapons. He's got some charisma, um, and what he doesn't have is fear. And so he'll try to make things happen. Uh, he holds the ball a little too long. He's got to get better at that. Get rid of it. Um, he tries to make throws where he should probably throw it away, um, but. You've you've got a you've got that's the type of quarterback he is. When you draft somebody like that, you've got to be okay with their moxie. They their offensive line, despite the investment they made in it, just has not gelled. I think as long as they, I, I think they're going to start to get a little bit better. They're going to keep, you know, offensive line is some is is a position where you've got to be comfortable with the guy playing next to you. And when you replace three or four people on your offensive line, um, whether it's somebody that came back from injury and a couple new additions or whatnot, they've got to get used to being a, a, a unit, to playing together. And that's going to take a few games. I think he's going to be just fine. I love the weapons he has. I love the heart he has. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with him. 
I did lower him a little bit at the preseason. I, I was thinking he could be a top five guy and maybe he'll get back there again. But the issues with the offensive line and what you said, holding the ball, I listened to Steve Young talking to uh, Tony and Mike yesterday, and that was his big criticism. He's not helping out the offensive line situation. He's getting stuck a little too often, and that's leading to some of the sacks. I think it may take a little time to clean that up. The Jets are a little better matchup. I'm not not starting him, but I'm lowering my ceiling expectation a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't think I had him as high as as you did preseason, uh, in part because I, I didn't expect much in the way of running out of him. Uh, yeah. I, I think apt, when he was a rookie, he was more apt to, to run, and then he had the knee injury, and he didn't run much at all last year. I just I think that's something that he's kind of taking out of his game. He's not running unless he's being chased. Uh, I, you know, he's not dropping back and thinking, I'm going to try to make something work with my legs. Whereas a couple of years ago, I think that might have been the case a little bit more. But I, you know, I like his moxie. On the flip side, Garrett Wilson, the rookie receiver, had a huge week, oh, had a huge week too. Uh, Corey Davis, a little bit banged up. Wilson seems to have something going with Joe Flacco. Do you think that continues in week three? Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. Um, I I think so. You know, the question is, does it continue in week four with Garrett Wilson? That's the real question. Or week well, five, is it Wilson? Isn't Zach five? Wilson out for at least four weeks? Yeah, so. I think he's out for four weeks. It, you know, Garrett Wilson ha, has flashed. Um, he's playing well. You know, Elijah Moore, though, I think is playing well. Corey Davis is playing well. You know, the, uh, Tyler Conklin is playing well. They've got guys that are playing well in New York and. Flacco is getting some of them the ball. I don't think, you know, they he threw 59 times the first week, 44 times last week. I just don't think that that's how they're going to win. I think they've got to get down into the 30s with the pass attempts. Um, but I don't know if their offensive line can uh, make that profitable for Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Uh you know, and their defense still needs to come around. It hasn't really lived up to expectations. But I, I like, you know, I love Garrett Wilson's talent. He was my rookie wide receiver one coming into this season. Um, and I, I think I'm going to stand by that. 
Yeah, I like the potential. I like what he's doing. Um, you know, he's we've talked about a lot of wide receivers that, you know, maybe you're taking the chance throwing in your flex. I like him as a potential option. Speaking of which, I think the Bengals funk continues. I'm taking the Jets. I'm taking the Bengals. I think they they start to shake it off. Before we move to the next game, we've got a quick question. Should I trade Henry? I assume you mean Derrick Henry for CD Lamb and PPR. Have a plethora of running backs in Barkley, Fournette, Dobbins, Gibson, and J Rob. I am taking CD Lamb and running. I am to smash accept. On to our next game, a good NFC East matchup. Philadelphia Eagles 2-0 head into Washington to battle Carson Wentz and the 1-1 and Commanders. We know we're starting Hurts, Goddard, Brown, and Sanders. Devonta Smith blinked in week one, was pretty active in week two. How are you feeling about him as a start? Um, I, That's really the big concern I had is I think the, the Eagles are going to be a lower volume passing offense. And – A.J. Brown is the one that demands the targets. Uh, Dallas Goddard is getting plenty of targets as well. Um, but A.J. Brown demands them. And I know they worked They worked hard last week. They got Devontae Smith involved. I think it'll – I definitely think, you know, on a week-to-week basis, we're probably looking more at last week than we are week one where he kind of got shut out. I like Smith, but I think he's a wide receiver three uh, in this offense unless they start passing more. But I just don't see any reason why you would with Jalen Hurts when he's being so productive. You know, he had a couple of those touchdown runs, and as much as it pained me because I roster Miles Sanders, um, you, you could see the power. You know, he was notorious. You know, he doesn't bench press or squat 600 pounds like uh, – uh, Nick Chubb, but I think I think he deadlifts 600 pounds in college, um, which is quite a feat, uh, especially for a running back. So uh, he's got a lot of power, and I I really it, it showed last week in that game on a couple of those uh, rushing touchdowns. But I, I like Smith. I think he's definitely a guy that has the potential to give you 102 touchdowns in any given week. But I think you have to be playing him, expecting, you know, four for 55. Yeah, I'm with you. To me, he's a flex play with some upside. Um, He was good in week two. I would like to see it happen more than just once. On the flip side, Curtis Samuel's been rock solid. He, uh, yep, they're all over the field. It's all Big Ten and the questions apparently that we're getting lately. Samuel actually led them in targets. He's getting carries. He's been very good. So is Jahan Dotson, who has gotten three touchdowns already, uh, leading rookie receivers. Are both those guys piquing your interest as possible starts? Uh, Samuel more so than Dotson because of the volume. It seems like Samuel has settled in. They've got a role for him. They're going to use him. I love Dotson in Dynasty. I was I, I was taking Dotson over Watson, um, and hey, that rhymed. Um, I I think he's just a better receiver than Christian Watson, and I he was probably wide receiver five, I think, after Traylon Burks. Um, Which but makes sense. He was a first round pick. I think a lot of people denigrated his. Draft position tended to to let it go because sexy locations like Spokai Moore going to the Chiefs right. or Watson going to Aaron Rodgers. But you're right, he's been productive. And, you know, the, the issue I have is 
right now he's touchdown dependent. He's not getting volume. He had what five? I think he's only had five targets in each game. One of which he turned into four catches and two touchdowns, and the other was three catches and one touchdown. So until he's getting six, seven, eight targets on a consistent basis, I, I think he's a, a very spotty play. Now, granted, after two touchdowns in week one, I was like, hey, he can't get touchdowns in week two, and he got another one. Well, he cut it in half, and you can't get a half a touchdown this week. Now, maybe he gets a touchdown. Um, he's made some really good catches. He's he's a dynamic playmaker, good route runner. Um, but I think he's, he's after McLaurin. He's after Samuel. Uh, he'll get the occasional rush. Uh, two or three a game maybe. Um, And Logan Thomas is looking good and getting targets at tight end. So I think that pushes him. You know, he's he's the third or fourth target uh, most weeks. uh, And and I think you have to just be wary of um, when you look at the scoring, how how good it looks because of the touchdown production. Yeah, I'm with you. Samuel is an easy start for me. Dotson feels like more of a boom-bust kind of option. I I think this is going to be another heck of a game, but I'm rolling with the Eagles. You know, uh, you probably noticed on the sheet I hadn't filled it out yet because I was still debating. Because I was uh, – the the way Wentz is playing, I mean, he's QB3 after two weeks, and he's, he's, getting, uh, he's getting a lot of it done. He's making he's, – he's doing the things he's supposed to. And so I was like trying to find a reason, but I think I, I wonder, does, uh, does Washington get Chase Young back this week or is he uh, still, no, he was here? on, he was on pups. So that would be oh, okay. at least four. Okay. So um, yeah, that, so eventually I, I settled on the Eagles. I expect, I'm expecting a good year out of Jalen Hurts. And so I went that route. Yeah, Chase Young got put on PUP, so um, they said he'll be reevaluated by Dr. James Andrews, expected to return by midseason. So probably still a few more weeks for him. Uh, on to the next one, a battle in the NFC South. Michael Thomas had two great games in a row, gotten touchdowns each week. Is he potentially in the mix to finish as a wide receiver one again? Well, I I think he is. He's he's going to be touchdown deep. I, I think him being a wide receiver one on the season is going to come down to touchdown production. Uh, he's not racking up the big yards like he was in his heyday. Uh, he's still being very productive. He's the number one guy there. Uh, I think some of it comes down to do we believe that Jameis Winston is going to get him the volume there? Um, Thomas is making it work with what he's getting, and he's getting pretty good volume. I want to keep seeing it game after game after game. I want to keep seeing Jameis Winston get better. I, you know, We can't have Jameis melting down and throwing two or three touchdowns and, and giving, uh, giving the, the Saints reasons to put in uh, Taysom Hill or Andy Dalton. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michael, he looks like he wants to play this year. I, I yeah. think that, that the last couple of seasons, even with, even with the foot, I think there was some question about, well, does he even want to play? Um, I think he's not, I don't think he'll ever be 
a hundred percent of what he was with that foot. But I think there's, I think he's passed any issues of thinking it's going to get re-injured. The rare OH player that you don't claim. Yeah. Uh, I'm I was with you. reading something else. <laughs> I'm not sure he gets enough volume to be wide receiver one, but I do think he's going to finish as a strong wide receiver two, which is a heck of a nice return on investment to those that have held on to him through the dark couple of years. On the flip side for the Panthers, their offense remains kind of a mess. So does their offensive line. We've seen the Saints defense really shut down opposing rushing games, including holding uh, Leonard Fournette in check last week. Do we have concern about Christian McCaffrey? Well, I think Rule and, by extension, uh, McAdoo and and Baker Mayfield are um, starting to remember, you know, just what Christian McCaffrey's about. He's running back nine on the season through two games, so he's getting some production. Uh, you know, it's it's hard because you know we've seen him get twenty carries and ten targets in a game uh, time and time again. And we're like, Oh, this is the dude, you know, he's going to get 30 touches, but he's not getting that right now. They're not, I, they need to use him more in the pass game. Um, He's being effective. Like I said, RB nine through two games. And, you know, the, the saints, it's the saints could, they could end up with two or three, uh, explosive plays and get a big lead and then put the Panthers in a situation where Baker's dropping back on every play. And, and then you end up, you know, with, you know, that doesn't usually end well for Baker Mayfield. So if we all of a sudden get Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport and Pete Werner bearing down on Baker play after play after play, uh, I think it can get squirrely, but I, if the defense can keep it close enough, then I think you've got a situation where McCaffrey can do what he does. He can run, he can catch, um, you know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson are both playing pretty well. So I, I, you know, I, I feel like he's, he's definitely, you know, our, an RB one is within the range of outcomes. If for no other reason than it's Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, I think he's still a decent bet to to get a touchdown, and he'll have some involvement in the passing game. You got to roll him out there, but it is not an ideal matchup. That being said, I am taking Saints. So am I. We move to the Sunday afternoon games, and the first one is a good one. The Jacksonville Jaguars, one and one, fresh off of blanking the Colts, head to Los Angeles to take on the two and O Chargers. Christian Kirk got a huge contract in the offseason and has delivered so far 12 receptions, 195 yards, and two touchdowns in two games. Does that continue? I think so. Uh, I He stepped up. The, you know, you you never like to be uh, in a situation where you're like, hey, if I pay you more, will you do better? You want to be in the situation where, hey, you do better and I'll pay you more. Well, Jacksonville had to pay him more to do better first so he would actually come to Jacksonville. And he he took the mantle and he's running with it. He's playing really well. He's operating as the wide receiver one there. Uh, there's no question about it. You know, as much as I love Marvin Jones and what he's done in the past, uh, I, I I don't think he's got it this year. I think we're, we're coming to the end of the road for Marvin. You know, Zay Jones is what Zay Jones is. He's going to pop off a little bit. 
Uh, and they got some uh, one other person there that I don't remember off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, it's all about uh, uh, Christian Kirk in the passing game. And then James Robinson, you know, un- until until he doesn't look good, I just got to marvel at how good he looks coming off that Achilles. Uh, he's He's got great vision. You know, he busted that, I think it was a 37-yard touchdown last week. And he just, you know, he looked great. And I'm beginning to wonder, like, like, did he really tear his Achilles? Or was it like, oh, it's kind of torn? You know, you know, I'm like, what's the deal here? Um, Yeah, I think Kirk will be good. J.C. Jackson, doubtful, probably not going to play. We've seen the Chargers' pass defense has been vulnerable the past few games. I would expect another strong day from Kirk. On the flip side, uh, Keenan Allen uh, sat out Friday's practice with a hamstring is questionable. Justin Herbert hurt his ribs, got that rib cartilage uh, injury last week. He didn't practice on Friday, but it seems like he's tracking to play with some kind of a flak jacket and a shot. Are you at all concerned about his performance? You know, I was less concerned uh, two hours ago. Um you know, he was at, at practice this week. He was making some throws. Uh, and I think we all understood that it was a situation where they're like, look, we can we can keep you from damaging it worse if you can tolerate the pain. We can give you a nerve block. We can shoot it up, whatnot. But then the Las Vegas line dropped two and a half points. You know, and not for nothing, but they kind of know stuff. You know, they've got connections that so many other people don't. And it almost seems like they went, hey, you know what? We don't think this guy's really going to play. And all of a sudden the line dropped. And so now I'm less sure. I think he's going to play. And I think he'll end up being fine. I don't think Allen is going to play. They talked about that being a two- to four-week injury that most people expected he was going to miss at least a couple of weeks. I still like Mike Williams, and I still think the Jacksonville defense, despite uh, what the Colts completely failed to do last week, has some vulnerabilities. I liked what Washington did against them in week one. I think the Chargers will be okay. Yeah, I think the Chargers I, are going to be fine. I'm taking the Chargers. I, I am, but I'm I'm a little more nervous than I was a couple hours ago. And I, have, I will say I went out and picked up a couple cheer, shares of Chase Daniels where appropriate. Uh, an NFC West matchup uh, is next up on the docket: the one and one Los Angeles Rams at the one and one Arizona Cardinals. Uh, for the Rams, Van Jefferson will be out again. Allen Robinson was kind of a non-factor in Week One. Bounced back with a decent game in Week Two. Are you trusting him at least as a flex again? Yeah, I'm. I'm good with Robinson. I think that you know he was a, a stupid penalty away from two touchdowns last week. I, you know, Cooper Cup is going to get his. We know that. But Allen Robinson is the clear number two there. He's a, still a good wide receiver. Um, you know, the running games can be questionable. Uh, we're not still uh, – I know that uh, Akers had, what, 15 carries last week. You know, he he wasn't terribly explosive with it. Henderson is what Henderson is. Higby's getting a bunch of targets, though. So – you know, it's really those three, Higby, Robinson, and um, uh, Cooper Cup. So I'm I'm good with Robinson. I think, you know, wide receiver two, three-ish, you know, if I'm starting him as my wide receiver three, I'm feeling real good. 
Yeah. I'm starting him as my wide receiver too. Then I hope I've, I've, it's because I've got two really good running backs, and that's why he's my wide receiver too. I have him in the wide receiver three range as well. On the Cardinals side, Ronald Moore is out. James Conner, a, a Rondale Moore is out. James Conner, a Ooh, game time. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got to play for me to remember his name. James Conner, a true game time decision. Obviously, you're playing Marquise Brown, probably firing up Zach Ertz. Kyler Murray's been incredible no matter who's out there. Is there any other Cardinal that piques your interest? I think Greg Dortch is earning targets. He's, what, he's had eight or nine targets <clears throat> both games. Greg Dortch is who we wanted Rondale Moore to be. Um, well, just we actually took, just wanted Rondale Moore to play. but Right. So, you know, Dortch has looked good in the role that they have him in. Um, and I get that there's, you know, fairly significant draft, cap, draft capital invested in Rondale Moore by the Cardinals. But if Greg Dortch keeps playing like he is, I don't. Why would you put Rondale Moore back in? Why wouldn't you like figure out another way to use him? I know it, it's not a great thing to have two five foot four wide receivers. You know that that doesn't scream powerful offense. Um, you know when when you know you got a uh, uh, Hollywood Brown towering over him at five foot seven, but still, I I think Dorch th- this week I'm definitely in on Dorch again. I. I I think he's he's making the most of his opportunity. Um, and Rondale didn't do that last year. You know, he had some opportunities. Uh, he's had opportunities since he's gotten there, and he just hasn't produced. So um, I, I'm good to start Dortch this week, and I want to see Dortch keep, uh, keep the job. I'm taking a shot on him and my Scott Fishbowl team. Um, I also think if James Conner ends up not playing, I would consider throwing Darrell Williams out there. I liked how he filled in. I am actually taking the Cardinals at home. I'm going to take the Rams. I, I, you know, and I freely admit I have an anti Kyler Murray bias. I, you know what? Both these teams feel like a hot mess. So this is going to be the hot mess bowl of the week. Uh, going up to Seattle, we have the 0 2 Falcons at the 1 1 Seahawks. Kyle Pitts did not get a lot of traction the first two weeks. Arthur Smith said that uh, they're just trying to win games, not trying to win your fantasy week. Was that bluster, or should we be concerned about Pitts' potential volume? You know, I think Arthur Smith has to realize that it's not an and, it's not an or situation. It's an and situation. Get Kyle Smith the ball. You'll win, and we'll win. It's, it's come on, get with it, man. Uh I think that, the, you know, they're still just – they're working out what the offense is going to be. You know, Drake London is there, and he's playing really well. I think Pitts is going to get his. He's just too talented. Um, and it's not like he hasn't been near the top of the target list. I think he's tied or led uh, in targets each game. The production's going to come. Just don't sweat it. And if you are sweating it, Dial me up and trade me Kyle Pitts. I was going to say, this is your kind of buy low window. I've seen a lot of people panicking, saying he's on the block. I would try to make a move before Sunday because I have a sneaking suspicion that they are going to try to get him going, despite what Arthur Smith said. On the flip side for Seattle, it's been a tale of two games. Metcalf seemed to be the more uh, heavily targeted receiver, albeit with not incredible yardage production in week one. Week two, it was all about Tyler Lockett. Are you confident in either for week three? 
I, I think Metcalf is the guy I want in this offense. Um, and it's just not going to be a high enough volume offense to really be productive for the wide receivers. They're going to get some opportunities, but we've got a, a lot of teams this year that if they throw the ball 30 times, we're like, oh, wow, that's something. Um, you know, Atlanta, Seattle, Cleveland, hell, if Matt Rule was smart, Baker, uh, Carolina, um, Houston. You know, there's some teams that just they're, – they're made – they're constructed this year to not really throw the ball, and I think Seattle definitely is there. Uh, Unfortunately, they're not running the ball well either. Right, right. And for me, the, op- the, the situation is, is when I look at – you know, do I want the guy? I know that Lockett's historically been pretty good in the red zone, but DK Metcalf just brings a different set of tools to the to the workshop. He's big, he's fast, he can get in the end zone. Um, I I think go. You know, he's the guy I want in that offense. Again, though, I'm team big wide receiver. Well, you know, Metcalf, I think, is the one based on talent and potential, and he really, we've seen it in the past, he only needs one good play to really make your fantasy day. But he's in the wide receiver three category for me just simply because of their offense and their passing. Lockett more in the flex range for me. I am actually taking Seattle in this one. Uh, I am taking the Falcons to get uh, win number one. Stranger things have happened. Uh, the best game of the afternoon window is the one and one Green Bay Packers in Tampa Bay to battle the two and O Buccaneers. Alan Lazard returned to action last week, caught two passes, one of them for a touchdown, but didn't really have a bigger target share than other receivers. Is he still the receiver that you want to start out of that Green Bay offense? I, I think he is, and if for no other reason that he's the one that Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with. And, I mean, he's comfortable with uh, Randall Cobb as well. Just Randall Cobb is a shell of himself. Yeah. And uh, I, I, yeah, I think we could see some Romeo Dubs pop off this week. It wouldn't surprise me if he had six or seven targets. Uh, but it's, you know, that Green Bay team is this season, it's built around Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Yeah, I think I'm with you that Lazard, though, is the one that I'm I'm probably taking a shot on. But even then, I have him down in the flex range. I just don't feel confident. I love the running backs, but the wide the passing game is still a little bit of a toss-up. On the other side, Mike Evans is suspended. Chris Godwin has been ruled out. Stream of receivers that are still listed as, in, as questionable, including Gage, Julio Jones, and Brashad Perriman. But is it a Russell Gage week? That's a Cole Beasley week, man. I don't think they're going to call Cole Beasley up. I don't think so either. I mean, they've got Jalen Darden. You know, if if they also if have all, Miller and yep, if if all their guys if if all their guys play, you know, if Julio plays, if Gage plays, Miller plays, Darden, you know that they don't have any real reason to call him up. And uh, you know, it's it's a cute story, but. Yeah, I don't know. That would be that. I I just don't. I just don't think that you know Tom Brady is kind of like Aaron Rodgers, in the way that you know you kind of have to have a chemistry with him. Yeah. And you know, signing with the team on Tuesday and playing on Sunday, even if you're a nine-year veteran and have never played with Tom Brady, uh, 
you, you know, there's not a great sign. There, that's not good chemistry. So I, um, you know, they signed Russell Gage, I thought, for this specific reason, because they knew there was a chance God wouldn't be out. Evans took himself off the board. They knew there was I, a chance Evans would kick out. Marcus I, Lattimore's behind. I think it's probably a Leonard Fournette game, as we talked about uh, earlier in the week. But uh, Gage is probably the one that I'm taking a shot on, um, just because Julio feels more like a real boom-bust start throw option. I am taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. I am taking the Bucks as well. Sunday night football comes to Denver, Colorado, as the one and one San Francisco 49ers come in to battle the one and one Denver Broncos. They still have yet to figure out what the play clock is, but they are hosting another game. Uh, George Kittle seems optimistic that he is going to be able to make his season debut. If he is out there, is he in your lineup? He is. I don't know why you would not put him in your lineup, uh, especially now that Jimmy G is the quarterback. That feels like free money. I, I 100% agree. Also a part of the free money. Uh, and it looks like Kittle is actually not on the injury report anymore because I'm that looking at so right. he is playing. Justin Simmons is still out when on IR, which means Denver is thin up the middle. Their linebackers couldn't cover a fart in the wind. So I think George Kittle probably your best play on Sunday night. On the flip side, Russell Wilson and the Russell Wilson experience has not gotten off to the most uh, rock-solid start. He was QB 24 in Week 2. Do you think he takes an incremental step up in Week 3? Maybe a little bit. Um, you know, they've got the weapons, and you know, but San Francisco's got a good defensive line, and Nick Bosa is a grown-ass man. Now I know that uh, Denver's offensive line is is isn't bad, so it's going to be a good matchup there. But it just feels like it's a combination of, you know, they're not he's not clicking with the new coaching staff, and he's got a long history of slow starts. And as much as he's playing the good guy and like, hey, everything is cool, me and Hackett, and uh, who's their OC? It's just an outing. Okay. Just as long as, you know, it, he's playing the game, oh, everything is just fine. Uh, I think it's just going to take a, a couple games, three, four games, to get back in the swing of things. And and Russell Wilson has had some of the worst first quarters of the season of any relatively elite quarterback that we've seen in the last 15 years. So I'm chalking it up to Russell being Russell, getting off to a slow start. I think it's going to be fine. Um, I just don't think it's going to be fine this week. I don't think he's going to be top 12, but I think he's going to take a step forward. I think he'll be in the QB 13 to 16 range. It looks like Judy's going to be back playing. It looks like Hamler is going to be back playing. Those both do my heart well. As uh, does it look like starting guard Quinn Miners will be back, so Russell won't have to worry about uh, Graham Glasgow dropping into the backfield, slamming into Javante Williams and causing him to fumble the ball in the red zone. they got to clean some things up. They've been under intensive scrutiny. It's hard to describe to you how vicious everything has been on a daily basis here. Um, fans have already started calling for the coach to be fired, which is a real heartening sign. I think they're going to do a little bit better uh, at home in prime time. I am taking the Broncos. I am taking the Niners. Our Monday night game features the 1-1 one one Dallas Cowboys and the surprisingly 2-0 and oh New York Giants. 
Dennis, it looks like Michael Gallup has a chance to be back in the lineup. Questionable, but he was a full participant in practice on Friday. What will that mean to the Dallas pass offense? Uh, you know, not as much as it would if Dak Prescott was still the quarterback. I mean, there's definitely a ceiling on what Cooper Cup can or Cooper. You, uh, you obviously missed uh, Jerry Jones' comments this week that he's no, expecting a quarterback controversy. He's a drunken monkey, is what he is. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be good because he's a good wide receiver. But I think he's going to be playing limited snaps. They're going to want to, you know, ease him in a little bit. Noah Brown played well last week. Um, you know, surprisingly, their hotshot rookie, Jalen Tolbert, has been on ice. Apparently, he's not uh, meeting expectations. You've got C.D. Lamb. I'm more curious about, uh, you know, what happens. Is, is Schultz officially out? Uh, Schultz is not officially out, but. He has not been practicing, which is not an optimistic sign. Like, because uh, I, I I didn't look, I should have looked. You know, I know they've got Ferguson, the rookie, but who's their who's their other tight end? Um, um, I actually think that is their primary backup. He's actually the guy that comes in and plays because they let Blake Jarwin go. They did. Yeah, and and Sternberger's gone, and Rico Gafford is gone. I think Sternberger was. Did he go he, there? He was. He was me, Sternberger went for medical stuff. Um, so it says it's Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot. Okay, so you know Hendershot will do some of the blocking. Ferguson, um, so, some of the receiving, but I think Ferguson gets the start uh, if uh, Schultz is out. You know he's a he's comported himself well at the tight end position. Um, early in his career here. So I, I don't mind it, but you know, they've got to, they've got to get the offensive line pulled together. Um, the rookie left tackle. It's been playing not bad for a rookie. Um, some things he does really well. Some things he's got to work a lot on. Um, I, I like Dallas and I thought Cooper rush played a smart game last week. Again, He's another guy. He, as long as he's um, keeps it within himself, doesn't try to do things he can't do. Uh, you know, the downside of that is if they get down by fourteen, I, I don't know that he can bring them back. Uh, we'll see what happens with the running game. You know, Zeke has been for all all the banging on him, he's been effective as a runner, and Pollard has been playing well. He's He's the more explosive guy. We know that. He's younger. He's got fresher legs. Um, but they they have they have some weapons. Um, and the Giants seem like they're on the right track. Yeah, I think you probably uh, – I think Schultz probably will miss. It does seem like he's tracking toward that. They'll probably use the tight end to help block a little bit more, which means more passing work, as you said, for Pollard. I also think if Gallup can play, that opens them up to do more three-wide receiver sets and hold a tight end to block, which would be just as well. You know, Gallup, Brown, you're right, has done well, and they still have C.D. Lamb. I'm hoping it's going to be a good matchup. On the flip side – Kenny Galladay has been largely absent. We've made jokes about it the past couple of weeks, but from a fantasy standpoint, is it time to start taking Richie James seriously? Yeah, it is. Now, I will say that Brian Dayball has been positive about 
the Kenny Galladay experience. He's literally said that, you know, him and Kenny have talked and, you know, Kenny has been in the media and he said that he's pissed off. He thinks he should be playing. And Dayball said, I'd love to play you. You, you give me a reason to play you and I'll put you out there. And, and he basically told him to put up or shut up. You know, Dayball said, I want to play you, but you've got to give me a reason to, these guys are giving me reasons. Um, and, you know, Sterling Shepard and Richie James are playing well. So, you know, David Sills. Do you, do you remember the, the genesis of David Sills? Mm. He was offered a scholarship to play quarterback at USC when he was in the eighth grade. <laughs> it was like on national TV or something. Now, he never panned out as a quarterback. I don't know that he even went to USC. He ended up somewhere, play, became a wide receiver, uh, you know, and he's he's been in the league now for I think three or four years. He's he's doing the Adam Thielen thing, just chopping away. Come in as an undrafted free agent and well, that, working at it. That's kind of the whole thing. the The Giants have put together a very working working class offense because going into the season, we were talking about they have Galladay. They spent high draft capital on Wandale Robinson, on Kadarius Tony. They have Darius Slayton still. None of those guys are playing. Shepard has worked himself back from injury. He's still involved, still hanging on there, you know, still getting discounted. But it's been – you're right, Richie James, David Sills have, have done the work. Richie James, you could do worse as a deep league dart throw. All that being said, I you know, I like Dayball. I like what the Giants have been doing. I'm taking the Cowboys. Cowboys for me as well. That's like the, that's like the wildest 2-0 record in the league. You know, but good on, good on them. You know, I, I think – there are a handful of teams. All we wanted to see was them making some positive signs toward progress. You know, I think you'd say the Jets have made some positive yep. signs toward progress. Now, uh, we got to see that with Zach Wilson. I think you'd say the Jaguars have made some t- positive signs toward progress, and so have the Giants. So it's you know it's heartening to see. That wraps up the slate of games for week three of the NFL season. I hope you guys do well out there. Dennis and I will be back here on Monday, probably with him uh, explaining to me why all of my picks were horrendous. We were mostly apart on games this week, which doesn't give me a saccharine feeling (laughs) based on my, uh, uh, I think I'm like 15 and 17 picking through two weeks. Week one was not my was not my jam, but uh, until then, have a great weekend. And Dennis, if the people have some free time, what should they do? You should go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, download even if you don't listen, and rate and review. Go Buck. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop.